Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 3rd and 20 Dynasty Podcast. We are on Season 2, Episode 6. I'm JT, joined by Jake, Frank, and Lunas. And guys, Week 1 is in the books. Everyone, let's get a little clap it up. Frank, Lunas, let's clap it up. Clap it up. Uh, Jake, why are you clapping? You lost. You lost. (laughs) (laughs) We're in our 3rd and 20 Dynasty League. Jake, Jake lost. Uh, in their home league, Jake lost. <laughs> Jake, Jake's just the loser. So, if you want okay, good advice, okay. you can just mute Jake for the rest of the episode. I scored more than you right. in both leagues. Just saying. In Jake, both Jake, leagues, I scored Jake more is than the only you. one, and I'm on and uh, All right, moving on. Um, <laughs> we got a lot of good segments. Jake, Jake uh, scored 200 at boss. I just <laughs> yeah, lost the Lunas. Um, so, we got the biggest winner little, and biggest whatever. loser. Uh, well, can, can you let me get in my segment? Let's oh, let, let the winners talk, right? We'll let the winners talk. <laughs> so we got biggest winner and biggest loser of the week. We got injury news, uh, panic meter, beta great, and we're going to wrap it up with trending up and trending down from our week one. And I'm sure we're all definitely going to have very tame, non-overreaction opinions. Um, but to start, well, we'll kick it off with our biggest winner. Amari Cooper went off against the Buccaneers, a defense that you yeah. know, would probably – many have thought would be great uh, this season, especially they returned all 11 starters on, on the defensive side of the ball. Dak was coming back from two ankle injury, uh, ankle surgeries, a shoulder injury that he's battling with. CeeDee Lamb was also still there. But Amari Cooper still, I think he was the top wide receiver fantasy-wise, uh, if not definitely one of the top ones. Um, he, he gets the biggest winner award, if anyone else would like to chime in on what they think about Amari Cooper for the rest of the year. Um, I I really like him for the rest of the year. So the th- the thing is with um, uh, with him. First off, people were saying like, oh, CD Lamb, including me, thought CD Lamb is going to overtake the one spot eventually. The thing is though, with that passing offense and how many times Dak throws the ball, and especially with their defense, where other teams are going to score a lot of points on them, so they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. Like there there's enough for uh, CD and Amari Cooper to both go off, and Amari Cooper looked awesome uh, that first game, and especially combine that with Gallup's gonna miss some weeks with an injury. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good in that first half, but now he's gonna be out for about a quarter of the season. And Dak under McCarthy has had like a crazy amount of throw attempts every game he's played. Like le- he had 58 attempts this week one game. The four games they played together last year, Dak had. Another 58 attempts, 57 attempts, 47 attempts, 39 attempts. Like that offense, Dak's going to be throwing the ball a shit down. And that's what makes him a good fantasy quarterback, though. It also helps Amari Cooper a bunch, too, especially if he can stay healthy. Yeah. Um, oh, you're going to say something, Jake? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Amari Cooper looked absolutely great, and I think part of the reason why he was – the biggest winner to us is of, of this week is just because coming into the season, there were a lot of question marks on him. You know, a lot of other players, you know, Waller, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, all those guys balled out, but everyone kind of expected that. There was no questions around them. But Amari Cooper had a lot of questions, whether it was, you know, CD beating him out as the one wide receiver one, Dak coming back off a big injury. The offensive line was not healthy last year. How are they going to look this year? You know, there was a lot of questions around Amari Cooper, and he just came out and balled out, which is really why he was our pod's. Uh, big winner of the week. 
Yeah. Well, with that, uh, let's move into the biggest loser of the week. And we got – I'm not going to make us clap it up again. But these guys really take the cake. The yeah. 49ers beat reporters. <laughs> they win our biggest loser of the week. <laughs> because we were told Trey Sermon's the 1B to Mostert's 1A. He's going to, you know, steal the draft. Ayuk's been lighting up camp. Uh, you know, he's the clear-cut wide receiver one on this team. Um, all this fun stuff from all the 49ers beat reporters. What we get? We get – Trey Sermon as a healthy scratch, a full dose of Elijah Mitchell running the ball, Andrew Michael Hasty, and we get Ayuk and bench for the first quarter and then running like seven routes. Like <laughs> that's and zero points on brain. Yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've got the article up right now. Okay. From yeah. 49ers yesterday, July 30th, 2021. Verified account. 49ers website. This is hashtag 49ers. This isn't even saying I, this isn't saying it. Hashtag 49ers receiver from it. This is a weird sentence. Feels Brandon Ayuk is on the cusp of being unguardable. Unguardable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was unguardable. He didn't play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got him from the bench. Yeah, the opposing corners are not allowed on your sideline, so he was safe. Um, yeah, just like. I mean, we, we know we're going to get some of this every year, but, like, I just didn't imagine it to this extent, right? Like, Keyshawn Vaughn, someone that we could have seen, like, kind of coming, like, if you looked into the, the details. Uh, there's other Justice Hill, Darwin Thompson. If you look, like, closely at these guys, like, you could have seen it coming. But they were rookies, right? So that's where I almost understand Trey Sermon. But Brandon Ayuk went off last year. Brandon Ayuk was – very good last year. He was one of the top five most productive wide receivers last year. And we get Trent Sherfield replacing him. I think that's who his name is. I don't yeah. even know if that's the right name. Yeah. So we, we can, I mean, let's just hold up. Before we get into Ayuk and Sermon, I just okay. want to say a big old screw you to the 49ers beat report. <laughs> yeah, screw dude. you yeah. guys, man. Like, so right. they, I, they get I, paid I, to do that too. They get paid to put out that, and 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 look at this. They were so wrong. I Ayuk was one of the most hyped up uh, young receivers this offseason. He was like people were saying, like people were comparing like T Higgins or Ayuk, Claypool or Ayuk. Like that was a debate. He was he's considered in that tier with those guys, and had like a big price. He was getting drafted early, and <laughs> he just didn't play. I, I I don't know. I don't know what to. We're, we're going to get more into the 49ers. Things that we no longer trust on the Dynasty podcast. And the very first is the 49ers beat reporters. <laughs> yeah. Number two, is I, R, number two is R Dash Dynasty. Bang. I, I, 49ers I, beat reporters. Number one can't trust people in fantasy I, I was, right now. I was talking in the beginning of the season about um, the. Ravens and the Jets. I thought those were the two biggest beat reporters that were like the most sensationalist. But Eagles too. Eagles are out there. 49ers just take the cake right now, though. Because yeah. what was that? Um, Quez Watkins right. had a better day than I did. <laughs> most people did. Brian Edwards. Wait, do we want to just go to panic meter? Because we're already talking about. So yeah, we, we should try right, yeah. now. Yeah, we can, we can, we can, can, more we can circle back to injury news. Let, yeah. Let's talk about these Niners guys. Uh, so. So the panic meter, I, we were just talking about Sermon. I mean, Ayuk, sorry. We were talking about Ayuk. Let's just continue on Ayuk. I, there was, like, one random beat reporter who was like, yeah, Trey Lance really likes Trent Sherfield. Like, look for him when Trey Lance starts. But Trey Lance wasn't starting, and, and 
Sherfield was still getting more outs. I don't know who saw this coming other than this one random guy who I'm not even sure was fully convinced, like, saw it coming. I I just – I don't understand. Lewis making the comparison before the podcast started about how this could be a Dante Pettis situation. But I think even with Dante Pettis, we didn't see Brandon Ayuk numbers. Like, we didn't see Brandon I- Dante Pettis go off like Brandon Ayuk did. And then all the hype going into this season with Brandon Ayuk. I, I don't know. I'm, I feel kind of blindsided. What about you guys? Uh, they had similar draft capital, right? So uh, shout out to the chat. 49ers B reporters out here getting their degrees from Devry Online Ufris. Devry. 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 They also but, um, went to B- Bishop Sycamore High School. Bishop Sycamore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Pettis situation, Pettis was a second round receiver, right? Yeah. If I remember correctly. He was. Uh, his did... tape was not like great though, dude. Pettis, like there were so many things that you just aggravated you about Pettis. You know, I think a big example that probably ticked off Shanahan was the ones where, you know, he would think about going in for a catch and then he'd see a defender coming. And instead of being the type of guy to put his body on the line and just make the catch, which you have to do in the NFL, you know, he would shy away at times and, and stuff like that. Right. And that's what, for, dude, Ayuk was a monster last year. He was, yeah. he was insane. Yeah, I don't. Uh, if you, if you guys had to say, um, who who are you guys more worried about between Sermon and Ayuk? I think for me, I think Ayuk a little bit because no, Sermon. You can't. I know Listen. Ayuk. Ayuk is the more talented player at his position. I think, and I guess talent. But I do really still think Sermon's talented. Mostert's out for the year now. Sermon will be active next week. And we've seen the 49ers just go with a hot hand. And I just think Sermon, when he gets the chance, is going to look pretty good. And he'll be able to get his touches back. Uh, for I Like, dude, uh, I, we, we're saying this now. Jermichael Hasty will probably have 100 yards rushing next week. I, who, who the fuck knows? But So, I, I like – Oh, you go, Jake. You go. I don't know. To me, I just – we've seen Ayuk do it. We've seen him be a productive NFL caliber wide receiver. We've not seen Sermon do anything outside of preseason football. Um, and on top of that, Shanahan is just one of these guys that doesn't care about draft capital, doesn't yep. care about, about contracts. He's going to ride the hot hand at running back and at wide receiver. And I, both of these guys kind of scare me, but I think Sermon more just because, you know, they have depth at running back, whether it's Elijah Mitchell or it's Jermichael Hasty. I don't think Shanahan necessarily cares who's running the ball as long as they're being productive. He's not going to care about Trey Sermon's late third-round draft capital that they put into him. It's not that big of a deal to him. All right, so are you panicked, though? So I think on a scale of 1 to 10 on Sermon, I'm probably at, like, a 6. I think I'm pretty, like, not, like, 10, not, like, smashing except on any offer I get, but, like, I'm concerned. In terms of Ayuk, I'm probably at like a four just because like I've seen him do it before and I'm less concerned that he can do it again. I think I'm a three on both. I think we're in an overreaction zone right now. It's not encouraging that Trent Sherfield was going out there and, and Elijah <laughs> and, Mitchell. Uh, Shanahan saying it was an easy decision. <laughs> yeah. I like this is tinfoil hat JT here, but like <laughs> they're they're playing the line 
Lions, like no much you're going to show of your team against the Lions. I get it's the NFL and you're supposed to be competitive every game, but like, did we think the Lions were ever being the 49ers? I, they, I don't they know. Kind of scared them at the end. They, they it took like a monumental collapse on the 49ers side to I mean, almost Shanahan lose. Did say like, okay, we started kind of letting up on them, coaches included, trying to play some young guys. Like, there's, yeah. It's not at all impossible for if, – if that game goes to OT or something. Now, there is the, the news that Ike might have been dealing with an injury or something, but let's say no injury. Who knows what happens if that game goes to OT or something, whether or not he sees the field or if Shanahan actually sticks to his guns. I think, JT, there's some merit there. Thank you. That, like, the other thing I, I just want to touch on these two guys real quick is do you think it's possible – that day you broke a team rule of some kind and that they were just being nah. punished for the game? I think it's possible. Nah, that would have came out. Because you know what? I don't know, dude. Actually, I don't think it's impossible. Here's the, the one facts. reason why. Hold on. There's, ahead, there's one reason yeah. why. Is that Kyle Shanahan said it was an easy decision. To me, what that feels like is he's in the media openly challenging those players because he said, oh, they're not professional enough. Clearly there's something going on, at least to me. And I'm thinking he's trying to take like an actual shot at them saying like, dude, kind of what Jake was saying earlier, right? We don't care about your draft capital. We don't care about what you did last year, what school you came from. Like this is our organization. This is the way we're doing things. And I'm going to openly criticize you as like a, as a warning. It's like a kick in the ass. Like, dude, you got to get it going. I'm not going to play you, and I'm going to openly criticize you. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's more believable. Like, you know, they're dogging it in practice maybe or something. But you know what it kind of reminded me of real quick? It yeah. kind of reminded me of – and we're, we probably won't know the reason why they didn't play much this week one, um, if there is a side one. Do you remember when Malcolm Butler got benched for the Super Bowl and no one really understood why? And no one really found out why. People assumed it was kind of something off the field. I wonder if it's something like that. I, I it's, it's hard to figure out. Yeah, I don't know. But around the room, what's your guys' panic on these guys? Ayuk uh, 5, Sermon 4. 3 and both. I'm not going to say I'm not concerned, but... I'm not selling either of these players right now. I'm not necessarily I'm not for upside. I'm not saying that either, but I'm just saying like it is quite concerning. If, <laughs> if the thing is, is that I am not feeling offers. Week. I'm pulling yeah. the, you know, the classic like when you when you screw up on social media, it's like we we are or whatever, right? Like in the press conference, yeah, we're not taking any questions. You know, um, that that's what I'm saying to league mates. If I'm getting offers for these dudes, <laughs> we're on to yeah. Philadelphia. Waiting it out. I'm waiting it. Yeah, we're on to Philadelphia. We're waiting it out. If if this happens again next week, I'm I'm a lot more concerned. If this happens yes. for a second week in a row. All right. Um, next in our panic mirror line is the entire Tennessee Titans offense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first off, Chandler Jones was just feasting on Taylor Lewan in the uh, Titans offensive line. Derek Henry couldn't really get going. Um, Julio Jones was getting criticized by his coach for the penalty that he drew and then also was just not present on the field. Like, we just didn't really see much action from Julio. A.J. Brown, like, semi-salvaged his game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He semi-salvaged his game, getting a touchdown. Um, it, not great. Just not a great opening performance by the Tennessee Titans. Um 
Jake, what's what's your panic level on this team? Are you panicked about anyone specifically? No, I, I'm all these guys. I'm pretty not panicked about. I think this was just a rough game for them against the team that came out and just played better than them. Um, they just look not ready for week one, and I think they're gonna. I think Vrabel's gonna kick them into shape this week in practice, and they're gonna come back and play well next week. Um, I think Julio and Tannehill looked completely on separate pages. They were not prepared to play together. They just looked like they had never run routes together. Like they were just so far on different pages. Um, AJ Brown, like we said, salvaged his day a little bit, but when you're that far behind and you have Derrick Henry as your running back, I, I just, it's not going to be a good day for him. So overall, I think this was just a flush it and move on game for the Titans and not that panicked. Yeah, I'll, this was uh, – go ahead, JT. I'll chime in and say, like, Derrick Henry, while I don't really love Derrick Henry anymore in in Dynasty, like, I just – I think this is, like, kind of what you see from Derrick Henry at times. Like, last year he had these kind of games, like, three or four times last year. That's literally, like, 25% or more of your, you know, just season. Uh, but even before that, in his early years, like, this was kind of the norm. Like, he'd just get, like – 10, 15 carries, not really do a whole lot with them. Like, that's what we saw. Like, we're just waiting for Derrick Henry to ramp up to speed. Uh, I forget who says it, but there, there's this quote about Derrick Henry where it's like, you just wait until that cold weather and, you know, you're you're 10 weeks into practicing and getting hit. You're not going to want to yeah. go and wrap up Derrick Henry. Like, everyone's gotta... all, it's all fun and games hitting Derrick Henry week one when – you're all fresh and you're all healthy and it all feels good to get a hit on someone. Come around and it's cold and you're all tired and beat up. And as the season goes on, you don't want to tackle that guy. Well, the other thing too, and this is especially true with Derrick Henry and the Titans offense in general, just because they really do play through the run, is that one of the most predictive stats or, yeah, predictive measures, whatever you want to call it, for rushing output is the defense you're going against. And we saw the Cardinals really invest into their front seven, picking up J.J. Watt, and then drafting that linebacker that I really like out of Tulsa. What's his name? Oh, uh, Zayvon Collins. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, Zayvon Collins, I think, is a stud, by the way. He had a great game, like great rookie showing. You're not going to play against a a front seven like that every week that has just all-pro level players, at least in my opinion. You got two with Tanner Jones and J.J. Watt on, on the offensive line or defensive line. And you got a, a whole slew of other dudes. Wait, I mean, he, he, yeah. he gets the Jaguars another two times. <laughs> Dude, like uh, you're going to have your feast days. And, but where this go, where this goes though, is right. You just said about the run, but where their passing attack comes from is mostly play action plays. Like they almost ran play action, like 50% of the time last year. That's where you get your big, your big touchdown plays. that are like, 35 yards to A.J. Brown. I mean, we haven't seen what Julio can, can do yet in this offense, but it's it's going to come. Um, again, my panic meter for the Titans is like a two. Like yeah, I, maybe a one. We've seen this out of the Titans before. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen weird games. The only thing I will say <laughs> okay. that I'm kind of – Yeah. The only thing I will say that I'm kind of weird about, they lost some coaches during the offseason. Um, yeah, but they have fake they lo- Sean yeah. McVay. It's going to be fine. They they <laughs> lost their they lost their OC even though their OC's debut as a head coach was a shit show. Um, yeah, that landed <laughs> not well. great. Uh, Linus, 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 what if I told you there was a copy 
of Sean McVay. You made him. <laughs> you 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 took the slider bar on how Irish he was, and you just kind of like Max moved it. it up a little bit because he looks pretty. I don't even know <laughs> if he is or not. <laughs> and you just plopped him right there for the time. Right, yes. No, See, I, you I'm put just, some shades on him. Identical. I'm just gonna say, like, <laughs> and didn't they lose their defensive coordinator too? I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, I've got to double check that. I, don't I, don't know. Know. I, I, I know, know they did lose their OC. There are instances where losing an OC will have a big impact on the offense. Um, I know personally, just because my favorite team is the Eagles, I saw what happened when we lost um, our OC post Super Bowl. But so I'm not, I'm not on the big on panic meter yet. Maybe the two, just because what JT brought up, they played two of the worst defenses in the NFL twice a year. That's uh, Frank, but I'll take credit. Oh, that was Frank. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, that that alone, like those games, your players are gonna be. So I'm not, I'm not too far yet. Like like Frank said, they have these kind of weird games every year. So I'm I'm just gonna wait and see for now. All right, going from the Titans though, let's move on to the Packers. That was just <laughs> we thought the Titans were bad. The Packers put up Bro, three this, points. This, this was like the weirdest. There are so many weird games week. It's on. the same thing though. They played like the Saints deep. That, that secondary is disgusting. Saints have very good. We, we know that the Aaron Rodgers and the Packers aren't going to get shut down. We saw it against the Bucks last year. Like I was about to say, panic meter zero. But I, I agree. Like, mine might be like a one or a two, but like. There were a few plays where I was like, what the heck is Aaron Rodgers doing here? Like, why is Aaron Rodgers doing this? I just, I don't understand. That's stuff that I had never seen. The concern before. I have with the Packers is exactly what you brought up, JT. It's like things you've never seen from Aaron Rodgers. And I just, I question, I know he he's upset. There's no questions about it. He is out after this year, and at least in Green Bay. Um I don't know if he's just kind of like just going through the motions because he just doesn't want to be there anymore. Dude, no shot. He's not I know going he doesn't want to be there after this year, but yeah. I, Dude, I'm... they're just down in the game. Nothing's happening. He's like, he tries to make a big play. Doesn't see a safety. Like, it happens, man. Even to Aaron Rodgers. He's going to come out next week and be a beast, dude. I was gonna say I I feel bad. Play next week. I feel curiosity. bad for the Lions. They play Detroit. Oh, Lions! Oh. <laughs> it's a one game. game. Like if you're gonna pick a game to have a crap performance, make it Week One. It at least gives you some film to watch to for things to improve upon. Yeah, I, I expect everyone like the big three Green Bay to have monster performances next week. This next one is interesting, though. Yeah, Saquon Barkley uh, for the Giants. Yeah, there was like a whole. There's all off season. It was a uh, will he, won't he, like suit up for for game one. Then finally they they're being coy about, but they're like, yeah, he's gonna play. And my issue is not with Saquon. I think uh, I'm gonna lead us off. Sorry guys, but I think Saquon Barkley. My panic meter on Saquon is still like I- I'm gonna move it up a little bit, but like similar to Sermon, I'll put like a notch below at a two. If Sermon's a three. Saquon's a two for me. Mm-hmm. My my pan, my panic issue is just the Giants' offense as a whole. And I'm just going to torch them right now, Jake. I'm sorry. I don't know if this is what you want to hear or not what I want to hear. But Please. I just, it'll it'll make me feel better that somebody else sees what I see. Every it's week. what he needs to hear. Daniel Jones has not been a good quarterback, like, ever for this team. <laughs> all right? He, he has, Justin like, Fields more... fell in our lap. Justin Fields Fell in our lap, and, and you traded and we back. Said, we don't want that guy. Yeah. You, you traded back to get Kadarius Tony, who then, who then Urban Meyer cried about and was like, "I want that guy." So at two birds, one stone. I 
Giants, Jaguars, terrible organizations. Because what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> you have a quarterback on the board. Your team, <laughs> your team is like very good, right? Your team is the defense is pretty solid. Like you were almost a playoff team. It was like you just needed Lunas's Eels not to just blow the game against Washington and do whatever yeah. they did, and you're in the playoffs. Like you, you held in against the eventual Super Bowl champions in, in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You brought in some decent weapons in Kenny Galladay. Not that I'm like the biggest Kenny Galladay guy, but like he's good. You still have Saquon there. Your receivers are pretty good. Your offensive line, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. Honestly, the O line, the O line Sunday the was, wasn't, wasn't bad. Andrew Thomas actually played it out pretty well yeah. at left yeah. tackle. Like they, they weren't they, bad. They were suitable, right? All you needed <laughs> was a quarterback that just doesn't fumble or throw picks and that can actually like put it in his receiver's hands. And instead you move back for Kadarius Tony. And I, I will continue my Kadarius Tony hate, but I think Giants fans are slowly going to creep up there and be above me and hating Kadarius Tony. I said he's I costing you guys playoffs. Don't put the Tony isn't the reason they're not making the playoffs. Don't put this the, on the, 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 reason the, pick, the picking of Tony ahead of Fields. And Mac Jones is what's causing you guys. Okay, listen, I'm the biggest Tony fan there is. In no world am I picking him ahead of just instead of Justin Fields. Like that's what you did. You moved out. You you said I don't want Justin Fields. I don't want Mac Jones. I'm better off back here and getting Kadarius Tony. That's not Tony's fault. That's the Giants GM's. I'm not (laughs) saying I agreed with the trade back. If you went and traded for like Rodgers or one of the quarterbacks that's not named like Carson Wentz, I guess. (laughs) You know, Sam Darnold would not be an upgrade either. Yeah, Sam Darnold would be an upgrade over. Dude, not not a big one. Not a big one. Honestly, I wouldn't have been upset if they said, "All right, now we have two first round picks next year." Hey, hey, Lions, we'll give you two first round picks: Daniel Jones and I don't know Jabril Peppers. I don't even fucking care. Just give me Matthew Stafford in this team. I don't give a shit. They're a playoff team if they have a quarterback. Literally, I know. I'm, yeah, I'm You're not talking sure. to the wrong guy, guys, JT. Guys, I, I'm, yeah, not, even, I'm not arguing. This is supposed to be a panic on Saquon, by the way. Saquon's fine. Saquon's fine. Okay, Saquon's so can fine. we move on to Zach Moss then? Hold on. All right, we'll, we'll go into we'll, we'll talk about injuries when we get there. I, I have something to say when we get there. But Zach Moss, my panic is that like if I have Zach Moss, it's at, like an eight. Like I think dude's done. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it was an injury or a healthy scratch, but either way, I just think Zach Moss is like at, at his best case scenario. And Frank and I were talking about this, uh, but prior to the pod, but like at his best case scenario, Zach Moss is like the two to three A in this rushing attack because you have Josh Allen, who's definitely going to be poaching the touchdowns, and you also have Devin Singletary to compete with. So it's you're you're not getting. Uh, you know, an efficient amount of target, like an increase in opportunities. So that means you're not going to get a lot of production. Like there's just not – the formula for fantasy success just is not there for Zach Moss, regardless of what happens. Like he's just washed. Well, I'm, also, I'm too, you Moss. have all these people on Twitter that I see that are constantly harping on, oh, draft for upside, draft for upside. If, well, if you believe in drafting for upside, Zach Moss is probably the last player that you want to draft in, in fantasy leagues because the dude is is not a great athlete. I mean, he he's one of, he's like a jack-of-all-trades master of none to a certain extent. I don't think he's a bad player. It's just what does he give you in terms of that elite level? Because Devin Singletary is more dynamic. 
and Josh Allen is just more dynamic. And this team doesn't run the ball. So where the where do the fantasy points go? Okay, yeah, if you want six points in a game, go ahead. But this dude is not going to have that elite level, even not even elite level, RB2 level upside to me. No. And uh, if Zach Moss kind of got overshadowed by all the 49ers stuff, but this was a really weird move. I... I, I thought he could potentially be like their leading rusher this year outside of Josh Allen. I, I have no idea what to make of it. The coach hasn't really commented on it so far. I'm interested, interested to see his status next week. I, I don't understand yes. how, even if you're not going to give him as many touches, just to be inactive just seemed a little weird to me. But definitely a high panic on Zach Moss. Well, speaking of injuries, let's just get into injury news. I'll start off with the... I don't know what you want to call this, more, less, whatever. I'm just going to start off with the Washington football team. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down, hip injury, put on IR. He's going to miss a good portion of the season, I think, like six to eight weeks, I think I saw. Yeah. I mean, who who knows what he'll actually end up missing. Uh, but where I was going with this is now Heineke starting, Taylor Heineke. And I was going to bring up – I think the Giants can make the playoffs <laughs> if they had Taylor Heineke. <laughs> if the Giants – Giants had Taylor Heineke. I think they could be a playoff team. Because you know who, he's you fine. know, who, hey, I'm just gonna make JT mad. Uh, you know who the Giants would make the playoffs with? Who? Teddy Bridgewater. They would. I, I don't. I don't know if I disagree. <laughs> he, he they would. Care. Teddy Bridgewater they does would. a way better job of taking care of the ball than Daniel Jones. Like yep. you literally just don't need a turnover. Because yep. if you don't turn over it, you, you don't put the defense in bad spots, and the defense just doesn't let up points like they did. They turned over the ball like in such terrible places and in such terrible times where the momentum just <laughs> shot the other way. I hate Daniel Jones no, now. Give me, give me, I, I'm, I'm leaving give me Daniel Jones hate. Yo, I, actually though, if I'm the Giants, I'm transfers. Yo, I'm in. You, you guys. <laughs> You guys are trying to throw out like outlandish things. I'm like, yeah, that, that would probably work. But Taylor Heineke on this Washington football team, Taylor Heineke on this Washington football team, I don't really think you'll see the football team miss a whole step. Uh, like, yeah, I think I'm not, it, I'm, yeah, I'm not lower on Gibson or McLaurin or Diami, Curtis, Logan. I'm not lower in any of them. I, I think we're in the same spot. Yeah, I don't think, I think you just move laterally here. I think the I only person that's like, do you think it moves what? up or down? I just okay. This might be a, a qualm with the with the Washington football team offense in general, but I am not so sure that it's all it's going to be all sunshine and roses for this football team. Even though I, I seem never to like was. a lot of their players, and I like Taylor Heineke. I don't hate Taylor Heineke, but. It feels like everyone thinks that the Washington football team offense, that every one of these players is going to be good, whether it's Curtis Samuel. Oh, he can get 1,000 yards. Oh, Antonio Gibson, he's going to be the next McCaffrey. Oh, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, like all this, that. And then I see an average offense on Sunday, a below-average offense. And I want to – I want to see them versus the Giants because I think part of it is I think I think the Chargers are a lot better than people are. Yeah, I think the Chargers are a good team too. But I don't well, no, think they play the, the Chargers Giants are anything here. groundbreaking necessarily. And I think that the Giants have a good defense. So in terms of especially this game, I'm not sure we're going to see 
Taylor Heineke on a short week come in and, and light it up against the Giants. Oh, I forgot their Thursday night football. Why are they on that's, prime time? That's why I brought it up. That's that's the only reason I brought it up. Why? The Thursday night game. I just think the Chargers are pretty good. Like, I think the Chargers are a playoff team in the AFC. I think I, so, too. But I think the Washington football team is also – like, I know Frank say they're below average. I, I truly think they're average. But I think that's all you need is them to be average, and I think they're a playoff team. Well, I think that's the problem is that their offense is just kind of average, and all of their players are so hyped. It's you know an average offense can only produce so many great fantasy players. They're they're hyped for dynasty because they're all young, um, and and they're semi producing. But I like I do think Terry McLaurin is very good. Like he, he's you saw that catch; it was unbelievable that, was that he had. Like I. He does that not that specifically, but he has amazing catches. He's very good with the ball in his hands. Like he, he's just a very, very solid wide receiver. Um, and then I think Gibson is getting a little bit too much flack. Like he, we saw he broke a decent amount. Yeah, we, we saw a decent yeah, amount. Real quick, let's go to Heineke. I want to talk about Heineke for a second. That's a good point. Because I'm All curious right. as to what you guys think his price is if you're a team that I mean, maybe you had Fitzmagic and don't have Heineke and are looking for a starting well, quarterback, or let's say you were a team that was looking for a quarterback and wanted a cheap one. What are you giving up for him? I'd give – first off, I'm only buying Heineke if I'm a contender, and I would give my contender second-round pick for Heineke. Whoa, I, a second? Yeah, I was going to say I'd that's too high second. for me. Cause he's, I, he's, I like Heineke. Can oh, I say my uh, reasoning yeah, yeah. real quick? Yeah. I, I think there is – I'm not going to say like good, like over 50%. I'm just going to say there's a decent chance Heineke might be the starter next season. Um, I think the Washington, here's the thing. I think they're going to be not bad enough to be able to draft one of those top guys. When has that stopped them in the past? It's not, but I'm saying if if he puts together a nice string of games and the, this division's up for the grabs, like no no team's really that impressive. I'm, I'm don't think Dallas is all that. Their offense is, but their defense is ass. Um, but so with Heineke, if he performs well enough to get them to a division title and their their picks may be like, what, 19, 20, 21, I could see them just being like, we'll just improve the roster and roll with this guy again next season and see how it is. That That's, I think, is the reasoning that does. Yeah, I mean, see, at that point, they, I think they... They passed on... Go ahead, JT. Go, Jake. Oh, they passed on Tua and Herbert for Chase Young. So I think we see their philosophy on... Quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, that's just a generational pass rusher right there. That's not, you know, that's not passing on a you're, quarterback. You're, te- you're telling me they wouldn't enjoy having Justin Herbert behind that line? I'm sure right they would. I mean, Chase, Chase Young was also just one of like the safest picks of the draft. Kind of similar with like Boza. Yeah, he's just years ago and Chase Garrett. Young. I thought Chase Young had a good argument to go number one. To be completely honest, but my my Here's thing the is problem with Taylor Heineke is that. Taylor Heineke, I love Taylor Heineke at the beginning of the offseason because you look on keep trade cut, the dude was worth less than like a fourth round pick. He, and wasn't he was ranked. a guy that was a <laughs> high quality ranked. backup quarterback that you could have gotten for a third round pick. The problem with Taylor Heineke is that now we have guys like Lunas who are saying, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, he has a chance of being the starting quarterback next year. Whether or not he actually has a chance of being the starting quarterback is irrelevant because now that's actually somewhat priced in, it seems like. And if I'm going to use a second-round pick on a quarterback, I'd rather use a second-round pick on, like, a better quarterback. Maybe I'll use mm-hmm. a little bit more draft capital and go get Jared Goff or something. 
or twenty-eight whatever. points, by the way. Maybe freaking Jameis Winston. I I I upgrade a second, you know, add something else, and I pick up Jameis Winston, a dude that I I know, and I just saw like this guy actually has the talent. If I want a QB two, why would I bet a second round pick on Taylor Heineke? My 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 issues are like sure Heineke might be the starter, but he also might be back on the bench in six to eight weeks. Like exactly, like, we we don't know because you could get for around the same price or maybe even cheaper. Uh, although I'm not his biggest fan, like you could get Tay Bridgewater. He's got a pretty easy opening schedule right now. Uh, you could get Tyrod Taylor. If you're really concerned about a one-year rental because your quarterback got hurt, you could get Big Ben for That's close true. to nothing. But like Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, what's the price of Tom Brady? He has Teddy Bridgewater still has multiple year potential in the league. It's not like Teddy Bridgewater just because he's a bridge quarterback is going to just vanish. We've seen Tyrod Taylor get like nine jobs. Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is better than Tyrod Taylor. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree, agree with JT. I, like, there's more of a chance that he is back on the bench. The time to buy was when we were saying it months ago because now you ha- you may have to give up more than a third. I'm not doing that. The hit rates don't match up. Unless I see something really sick in these couple of weeks, then I'll reevaluate. I agree. Yeah. There's, 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 a reason, there's a reason Ryan Fitzpatrick beat him out for the starting job. It, it Like, Fitzpatrick, I love the guy. He's a journeyman quarterback, but at the end of the day, he is also a bridge quarterback himself. So to beat out a guy that you're saying has a chance to start, I just don't see it. Heineke, end of the day, high-quality backup. Let's move on. In, in other news, um, probably a bigger injury in, in Dynasty World is Jerry Judy goes down, high ankle sprain. Yeah. Out around the same amount of time that Fitzpatrick, uh, maybe a little sooner, four to six weeks, I think. But six as we know with as as we know with high ankle sprains, they're going to linger anyway. Like he's probably just not going to be that great this whole season. Like I, I if I had Judy, I'd be like, well, first off, I'm I'm the Judy hater of the podcast, which is kind of annoying why he got injured because one of my hot takes was he wouldn't be a top thirty six wide receiver, which is like certainly true now. But I kind of wanted it to be true because he was healthy and just wasn't that good. But Regardless, shout shout out Clown D's in the third. Devonte Smith says hi. Um, by the way. Devontae Smith had one touchdown against the Falcons. Let's <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Hollywood Brown had like a career year in his first game against the Dolphins two years ago, and then hasn't really done a whole. Oh damn! Like, has just started to string it together. Falcons are quite bad. Um, so moving on though, Judy, uh, it's just like the high ankle sprain and everything. Like I'm treating it if I had Judy. As I'm putting him on IR now, if he comes back and actually starts producing at the end of the season, great. That's like cherry on top. But for me, this is just a wasted season. Like, whatever. I'm just without Judy for the whole season. Um, and if that changes your outlook on if you're contending or not, which like it probably shouldn't, but like if it does, then just pack it in already because Judy's not going to be back to 100%. What, what, what would you put as Judy's price? You're not going to get him personally. I mean, you're talking to the wrong guy, but like, you're not going to get him for less than a first at this point. I'm I'm never giving up a first. first, Like, one contender first can get him? Probably. I'm never giving up a first period for Jerry Judy. I was going to say, if all of it takes is one contender first, I would give that up for Jerry Judy. I mean, Uh, I think it does depend on the situation of the team and who's giving it up. I think, generally speaking, it's close if I would accept a first. 
the the problem is is that I would not want to accept a first for a team that I think has a decent shot of making the semifinals of my league. If that's the way that your playoff system works, which I think okay. most do, because I think that he's the type of dude that if if you land one ten in most draft classes, you kind of get screwed. You get the short end of the stick. One eleven and one twelve, obviously, way worse. I think that Judy's better than that. One oh eight, one oh seven. Okay, then I'll start to to reconsider at, yeah. at that point because I think I may have that pick rather than Judy, especially because it's like he's on the Broncos. There's something about that. I don't know. Like I thought Judy was nice before he got hurt. I, I like that, Judy still. I like Judy as well, but like if you're gonna ask me if I want Judy or Devontae Smith or Judy or Jalen Waddle, who two of the guys that probably went. Right there, one ten to one twelve in your your rookie drafts, especially. Obviously, we're talking super flex. That's a good point. I might. I would. I'd probably. Take I think both I'd, the I'd probably take both of the rookies if we're going to be honest here. And I like Judy. I think he's a great player, but I just an ankle. This ankle injury is going to set him back another year, like JT said. And I'm not so sold on this Broncos offense. I mean, obviously, this is all going to change as soon as Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver in the offseason. We all know that. Uh, but you know, it's at this point, I might sell, uh, for, for what a late, late first round pick. I'm not selling for a late, like, that's just the line. I'm not buying I, for I need a, a mid, I need a, okay. <laughs> obviously you're, not, you're not buying for a first, but I am not selling Judy unless I know that first round pick is a top 10 pick without that you guys, not happening. You guys are mm. discounting that. We had Cortland Sutton coming back from injury. He still had Sutton's time. Not hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, he needed time to ramp up. Now we're gonna get Sutton ramping up. He's going to be the wide receiver one when Judy comes back. Like he's just now behind Judy. Now we also have Noah Fant, who's competing with him for targets. Like he, it was neck and neck the whole game before Judy got injured as to who had more targets. It was like seven Judy, six Fant at the time. Like. There, it was very clearly that the targets were split between those two, and we were still waiting for Sutton to get back. Now you're going to have to split the pie three ways with a quarterback who I don't really love. So we're going to have to wait and see what goes on there. Then you're talking about first-round picks and whatnot. I, I think I, I've been one of the people saying I don't really love the 2022 class, but the 2022 wide receivers are still fine. Like uh, Garrett good. Wilson will, yeah, Garrett Wilson will definitely be gone before then. Like I don't like Chris Olave that much, but I think Chris Olave will be a, around that. And I, it's a toss-up between Olave and Judy for me. Uh, Drake London's fine. Traylon Burks I really like. David Bell. I think David Bell's next year. Is David Bell next mm. year? I think so. I, I don't know. Like, there's no point in just because we, we just don't know yet. But I actually, now yeah. that I'm thinking it, I actually kind of like, I think Broncos are getting Aaron Rodgers and it's going to be sick. <laughs> You're doing the thing. You're doing the thing where you start yeah, increasing Judy's prices. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am. I am doing it. <laughs> right, when, you, when you can't get Judy for a contender for a splint, Frank. You could say I'm taking the bait. Speaking You're of taking which. the bait. We're, we have Eight a great what a transition. What yeah, a transition. right. You like that? I, I <laughs> so the whole premise is like we have a couple of guys that have massively increased in value, three of which are kind of lower end players that have risen into into fame, and then one we have that's like, all right, he was kind of an established player already. But is are we taking the bait or are they going to be great? Who do we start? I think the easy one to start off with is Elijah Mitchell, right? Because he's the one that 
is probably what people are spending all their fab on right now. He's yeah. probably the guy that's the talk of everything. Like, uh, if you listen talk to Frank, to he's probably on your. Yeah, if you listen to Frank, he's probably on your dynasty roster. Did you take him off the taxi yet, Frank? No. Are you gonna keep yeah, him I on would. the taxi? Yeah, curiosity. curiosity. You'll probably just keep I him on the taxi. I haven't really too. thought of it yet. I, I go in with my taxi like long term, but I didn't really expect this to happen. To be completely honest. <laughs> <clears throat> oh really? <laughs> well, like I liked Elijah Mitchell more so because I thought that Shanahan is the type of court type of quarterback, the type of coach where he can have two relevant fantasy running backs. We've seen it before, and he likes running the football. So I'm like, okay, Elijah Mitchell might just be in the rotation and be a guy. All of a sudden, he comes out. Trey Sermon is in shorts, and Elijah Mitchell's apparently the number one running back, getting 20 <laughs> carries. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping sure. for a Naheem Hines. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I'm on the outside or what, but I'm saying bait on Mitchell because just as easy as we saw him put up 20 carries and we had Sermon on the bench, like I would not be surprised if next week Sermon's putting up 20 carries and Elijah Mitchell's got like five uh, and is doing more special teams work. I, I, I don't trust – we're starting to get into Belichick zones of these running backs and who to trust. I was like, I, I don't know. I'm not trusting any of this backfield at this time. I, I don't know. I'm out. I'm out, guys. <laughs> Bait. Low key, yeah. I'm in. I mean, <laughs> I knew you would be. The thing be. is, is that I'm not gonna go out and pay like first round picks for him. Obviously, no. where did I? Where do I have him ranked? What's the um, most you guys would pay for Elijah Mitchell right now? I think Fourth? I have him. I have him <laughs> at like mid third. I'd pay a third. I'd pay a third. Somewhere on there. I don't think anyone's gonna take a third for him at this point. No. But no. But yeah. But the thing um, is, is that like a late second round pick, I actually might give it up for him. Surprisingly, because I I feel like I'm usually not this kind of dude. But Elijah maybe or I, I'm Heineke. taking the bait. I am taking the bait, baby. So Let's you think go. he's so you think he's great. But I'm taking the bait. <laughs> wow. Wildly, according to Heat Trade Cut, he's already worth a, a mid to early second. Oh my mid god! Early. I was hoping my 208 would get it done. God damn! Oh man, we're in the realm. We're in the realm of Dallas Goddard, Kirk Cousins, Julio Jones. Okay, maybe I'm selling <laughs> what? at that point. Holy smokes! That's according to Heat me Trade you Cut. Can go, you, you can go out and trade Elijah Mitchell for Kirk Cousins in a superflex league right now. To hit up Parker, uh, according to keep trade cut, yes, that's absurd. Now, now, yeah, so that's why I'm saying beat. But if we want to just keep rolling from that, and we uh, want to talk I'm, about, I'm, on, I'm also on. I like Elijah Mitchell. I have his value right now as a third. I'll say bait. I still believe in Sermon. I'm on bait as well. All right, so we got three baits. One. Uh, I will say though, one, one thing that was three. interesting. Someone brought it up today. Elijah Mitchell has an extremely similar athletic profile to Mostert. And it might just be a type that Shanahan really likes. So I don't know. Yeah, Shan- Shanahan's a Tinder girl himself. He likes these uh, quick guys. Yeah. I, I just think Elijah Mitchell's a good player. You know, he was one of my sleeper players coming in, but he ended up not really being a sleeper player come draft times. You know, he was kind of uncovered. Well, I, I thought I thought he'd be, I thought he could be a good change of face back like a Hines, yeah. but I didn't. I mean, we have to give credit to the dynasty community because the dynasty community in general was high on Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. Like. So, Good job, pat, on, pat on r slash dynasty. Shout out. 
All right. Yeah, good job, they got to win. Yeah, they gotta win the right. Yeah, they got a dub. <laughs> they're, they're like one in like seven. Does it count as a win when there's a post for like every player nowadays? Yeah, they took a win in a lot. Because I think for the win they took for Elijah Mitchell is a bigger L for Sermon. It was a yeah. bigger L for Sermon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Tyson right, Williams. We're going to move on. Yeah, yeah, Tyson Williams. So Ty speaking Son. of Elijah Mitchell, yeah, Tyson Williams. Um, He's also mid-second. Mike big, Williams, Kane Holiday, Robbie Anderson. Smashing steps on any second you can get. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we, we're talking about one half from him. We didn't even see. Like, he, he barely showed that up was, in the second half. Okay, that was fumbled something that didn't make sense to me. Like it, it, he, fumbled, he fumbled twice and sucked in pass, bro. That, that's what he kept him up. Pass, bro? Okay. He, he, he could not pass block. And he right. coughed up the ball twice. Luckily enough... It wasn't turnovers, but like no ball security, no pass protection. He broke one long, like 30 yard touchdown, and that was really what's driving everyone on him. But yeah, yeah. he had two they, nice runs, they, and, and he was getting some, some pass game work, which will inflate his PPR stats a little bit and like just the overall targets and stuff. Mid second is a bait. I do, I really struggle to think that there are people out there paying a mid second right now in Superflex. I think that's the I, the, re, the the one QB bait. I'm in. I'm on I'm on yeah I'm on keep trade cuts. What they're telling me for Superflex, but yeah I agree. That that's my issue with keep trade cut right because it'll it'll shoot up in price, but it's like it's very league dependent on if you're actually getting these yeah. kind of deals. Yeah, I feel like in most leagues you're not getting a mid second for. Tyson Williams. Tyson Williams. Um, all right. Anyone else have anything to add, or are we just like bait? He's bait. Okay. Um, another one. We'll move on to is Jawan Johnson. Um, two touchdowns, but like three targets. <laughs> um, Why are we talking about he, him? <laughs> he, he was a weird one in that he was a wide receiver turned tight end. Like maybe yeah. he could figure it out but again he's someone that although he's not mid second he's in early third and at that price uh, like he's he's ranked as tight end 22 right now um, yeah if i could find the tight end rankings that would be nice i'll pull him up right who's now who's right ahead but of him and right behind him i'm i'm looking for tight end rankings i'll tell you who who the people right next to him are, but he's in between Austin Hooper and Anthony Ferkser. And when I say it like that, I guess it's not that egregious. Like I don't really like either. The thing I think is more egregious is he's had Dalton Schultz, who's kind of shown that he's more of the tight end one on, on Dallas. Not that I really love tight uh, Dalton Schultz, but like he's just going to be more consistent than Juwan Johnson. I think. Yeah. I don't know if you guys disagree on that, but no, I agree. I, yeah. Are you guys all taking James, bait on, on Juwan? Bait. Massive, massive bait. I, I'd give up like a fourth for him, like an early fourth. Like I think he's someone sure, that wouldn't mind. Sure. But sure. an early third, like we're talking like three oh one is where he is. I'm not, so if I'm we not go, touching anything in the third round for him. No shot. If we talk about who he's getting ranked around, it's not like that appealing of options. So I guess it, it makes more sense, but it's like uh this one just has Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle is someone around him. Um, let's see if I can find more. If not, it doesn't really matter. But, like, that's the kind of quality player we're talking about is ranked around Jawan Johnson. So we all agree, Bate? Yeah. I actually kind of like, like Jawan Johnson. Oh, I don't mind him. Oh, here we go. I, 
Like he's early fine third is too much. Early third is way too much. But like a late third. But here's the thing. I'm watching that I'm watching that game a little bit. And man, like I think he's pretty good. Like obviously he's a pass you know, catching from, time. From the targets perspective and all that jargon, like, okay, Juwan Johnson is not a very sexy player. But dude, like I, I'm just I'm looking at these plays that he's making, and like, there's some good plays. Like, I, I think that there's some serious developmental potential here. So, like, if I have him, I don't think I'm going to sell him. You if know, you I think that's, that, that's in the camp I'm in too. If you can get what Keep Trade Cuts telling you, I'd absolutely sell him. I don't know if I want to sell him for a third round pick right now. I really don't. Here. Here's the five guys ranked above him and five guys ranked below him, and you guys decide what you think. Five above. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Austin Hooper, Ben Roethlisberger. This one's a shocker. Kyle Trask and Dwayne Eskridge. And the five below are Sony Michelle, Tyrod Taylor, Ty Johnson, Alexander Madison, James Conner. I'm taking yeah, Juwan no. Johnson over at least half of those players. I mean, half, half sure. But as I was reading half. it, I was like, wow, okay. I kind of almost want to flip the bottom five with the top five, though. I almost feel like, the, like other than Ben Roethlisberger, like, and I guess to some extent, Donovan People Jones. Thing, <laughs> <laughs> like, the bottom five almost sound better than the top five, but yeah. All right, um, B. This this one's a more intriguing one, though, and I'm not sure if we all agree on this or what. But Debo Samuel, Frank, you want to kick off Debo? Yeah, so I have a little spiel to say on my boy Debo Samuel. I'm going to roll in for this one. Because oh, okay. Debo Samuel was one of the players, if if you're a hardcore third and 20 listener. Um, we did a segment a while back on third-year breakout receivers, and there was two major cases that fit a lot of third-year breakout receivers for receivers from 2000 to, like, 2012. And Debo Samuel fit the major first case where like 80% of these guys go on to have a top 24 season and a decent amount be a wide receiver one. And we may have just seen that happen. Now, I'm not going to go out there and act like that, you know, I was the biggest Debo Samuel fan in the world. I mean, I think I was definitely higher on him than consensus, but it's not like I have Debo Samuel in all my leagues. But after watching him play... You know, the, the third-year breakout study where he, he seems to be fa- everything falling into place. Like, I I would be pretty damn comfortable giving up a first-round pick for Debo Samuel right now. Ooh. And I don't like the – see, that's the thing, right? That's the thing. The fact that people are shaking their head and be like, oh, I don't no, know about I, that I, I, is why I, I really that. think that Debo Samuel is a smash buy right now. Like, okay, obviously not every owner is going to sell him for a first-round pick, especially after last week. But if I can get him for a round, a late first pick, like, okay, a late first and maybe a pick upgrade or something, and then into that, because I really feel like this is one of those scenarios where you can get a really talented receiver before he reaches peak value. Um, um, real quick, Frank, I'm actually with you. I'm, pick, I'm saying great for Debo. Um so as for the price, I'll get to that in a sec. Obviously, he had a monster game, 9-4-89. So last his value went down because of last season. Because after his rookie year, his value was high. He had a good rookie season. Um his last season, he was injured for most of the year, and his value went down along with the IU cut. But in the games he played last year, his last four games of the season, he 
played five. So that's four games of the season last year. Six for 73, 11 for 133, five for 65, six for 66, and a touchdown. All of those games are like, like what, 15, 10, 19, 11 points. Like he was putting up wide receiver two numbers last year in the games he played. Um, and he's still super young. He just turned 25. In a uh, sick offense, and Shanahan actually likes him. <laughs> yeah. And while Dude, the value thing's the question mark. He's still worth a 2022 or 2021 late first round pick on keep trade cut. He's in between the two. He's basically at that price, though. Um, real quick, I, I'm also on team great. I also really like Debo before. And I, I didn't expect <laughs> <All> this. <right. laughs> I, I didn't expect this to happen so quickly. But um, in the Dynasty Reddit, someone posted like, "What are your hot takes?" And I said, "I thought like you know, it was like looking at keep trade cut. Tell us which players you think will pass other players." And you know, you gave like a wide range of stuff. So I said, Debo Samuel, who at the time was ranked as keep trade cut player one hundred, would pass. Brandon Ayuk, keep trade cut, ranked 56. It's already happened. We're week one in, and he's up 44 spots uh, past. Well, Dude, why didn't you victory lap? Debo's up like 30 spots. I should have victory lapped it already. I mean, I might. Um, some of my other ones <laughs> no, here have not. Say, yeah, yet, you don't but... want to be one of the week one victory <laughs> Yeah, lappers. yeah. Well, we still need O.J. Howard to pass Mike Kosicki, Swift to pass Cook, and Fields to pass Joe Burrow. Um, so we're going to wait on that. I don't know if the Burrow one's going to happen, cause, just because Nagy, but. That's yeah. a great call right there, though. That is kind of sick. The, the, yeah. The, 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 I, Swift, Swift I've been great. in on Debo. Swift looked great, um, but I thought Burrow looked really good. It's just crazy how quick yeah, that the... happened. One week. That took some shenanigans. You got sh- sh- to <laughs> think about how drastic their weeks were, though. It's not like Debo had like, <laughs> yeah. like seven for 90 and a touchdown, and Ayuk had like five for 60. Like, Ayuk got deep. benched, and Debo had almost 200 yards. I like call that, that a favor from Shanahan. So you gotta buy a lottery <laughs> ticket, JT. Yeah, that I just I in my wallet streams kind of expected that to happen, but yeah, all all, all aboard the Debo train. I, I like Debo a lot. Um, I actually I not commend enough to go you for not him, victory lapping out on Twitter. I think ninety nine percent of Twitter fantasy football users would have screenshotted and victory lapped that. The the main purpose of my Twitter is to just beat down off the chase hate, and it's working Dude, so the, far. I mean, <laughs> we're the, fighting the, off all the, the, the forty the, the 49ers, uh, that, was, that made me so mad. The 49ers reporter Frankie pointed it out before, and that was like, like just praising Ayuk all summer. Then like that Sunday was like it was clear that Ayuk wasn't ready. Like it, I forgot what was the exact It wasn't just praise. He said the word unguardable. Yeah. <laughs> like that is the maximum form of praise for a receiver. That trumps freaking uh, John Gruden saying that Brian Edwards is Randy Moss. That yeah. That is better than anything, is saying he is un- unguardable. Un- <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <laughs> unguardable from the bench. I'm sorry. That's just so funny. <laughs> Man, it's, All right. I, I'm, I, I think that Eagles 49ers game next week for fantasy is one of the most interesting games. 
There are a lot um, of players I don't know anything about still. Th- there's so I'm so interested to see how that game goes. Not even just for right. the end result, just the players. Um, we 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 good to move on. Yeah. Training up, training down. All right. Uh, Frank, I mentioned earlier, Davis Winston. What was it? Five touchdowns and <laughs> like 160 yards pass. Five tutties, baby. We back. Let's go. Well, surprisingly, that one. Do you know he had the least amount of passing yards in a five-touchdown performance ever? Yeah. I I believe it. He probably, only did like 160 it's, yards. It's probably, it's probably one of the smallest for a four-touchdown performance, too. Yeah, you uh, want to know what that shows? That just shows you how freaking good Sean Payton is and how good Alvin Kamara is. Yeah, I agree on that but, not only that, he threw like a 50-yard touchdown, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't like he didn't have any long touchdowns. He threw a long touchdown on top of all those other Harris. ones. Uh, yeah, just um, – I don't know. Oh, Marquez Callaway we could have included. Dude, in I'll tell you down. what. So, this Marquez- offense really reminds me of some of those earlier year Drew Brees offenses. Not in, in Drew Brees' career, like, but kind of for the Saints, like early 2010s and whatnot where – you kind of have like a lot of bigger bodies on the field and then spreading the ball out a ton. You're getting six, seven plus players touching the ball every game. And I actually really like it. I think it's going to be fun to watch. I'm so happy Jameis had a good game. I, I, I think the league's better when Jameis is playing. He's just fun <laughs> to watch. Let's eat some dubs today, gentlemen. Dude. Did you guys see the RG3 tweet about the crab legs? That makes zero sense. Uh, <laughs> RG3, it's weird because on TV he sounds good, but on Twitter it's just a shit show. I, I, I don't know. Uh, and real quick, before we go on to the next one, I saw you bring up Marcus Calloway. It's two words for people who are concerned. His name's Jair Alexander. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, he's, he's ridiculous. Wait, who's that? Jair Alexander is very good. That's not a Jair, fantasy uh, player, Lunas. Yeah, well, <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll see this week whether what he does. Um, all right, so that's Jameis. We then are moving on to Joe Mixon and Jake. You you've been the Mixon guy. Thirty touches, my guy. <laughs> I uh, if he can stay healthy, he's gonna touch the ball thirty times a game, and it's just gonna be an absolute workhorse for this Cincinnati offense. That put up a bunch of points, Frank. Yes, this Cincinnati offense <laughs> put up a bunch it. of points. I refuse to they, believe it. Not Burrow had a good day. Chase had a good day. Higgins had a good day. Mixon, Mixon had, a, had good a good day. day. Listen, I'm all in on Cincy, baby. Let's go. Feed me some bangles. These, they're all going to be good this season. Count your blessings now. As long yeah, as yeah, Mix- they're all going to be good this season. You're playing a week one Vikings team. Get out of here. I'm telling you. Let's see I'm- you do it in Pittsburgh. How about that? All right. We'll I'll do see it. you then. When do they play? Uh, yo, Frank, let's let's see the hand. How nervous are we about the Bengals beating Pittsburgh? Let's let's get a shake meter. Oh, that's pretty steady. That's pretty <laughs> steady. Uh, I think it's green. <laughs> <laughs> guys, <not worried. laughs> I don't even. I don't even care if the Bengals beat Pittsburgh as long as Mixon touches the ball thirty times. I don't really care. So right. I, I'm in on this Bengals offense, and I'm gonna stay in on this Bengals offense five times. But Mixon, Mixon, I'm in on. He got thirty touches. That's thirty-five point Thirty-six, actually. Wait, what did you say, JT? That's not sustainable. That's why I'll say. I said you made a good point. Oh, I'll say it's yet. not sustainable that Mixon's getting 35, 36 touches. 
Let's eat, um, boys. Let's eat. It's not going to happen. I think he. I think he's fine. I think he's going to be good. But it, the, the amount of carries he got was not. He, I mean, um, he, le- he got got leads, leads the league in rushing after week one, boys. Basically, RB one already. All right, moving on. Next trend up, Rondale Moore, someone that we were all pretty high on. I feel like I don't think there's any real Rondale yes, Moore. Yes, Rondale Moore group. was awesome. Um, if you don't mind me to, uh, talking about him real quick. Uh, so every year I see, I see people this week already starting to bring up like Christian Kirk, like, Oh, spend all your fab on Kirk. Like if you want to have him as a bench guy, well, that was more redraft, but like in terms of being comfortable starting him, he has these games every, do you guys remember the Dallas game last season? Monday night. Yeah. He, he balled out on against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. It, he'll randomly have these weeks. He's, he's not like a bad football player. Like he, he's like, it's just, I, 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 he's not reliable enough for me to trust in fantasy. Rondell Moore is going to become the number two eventually. In like 20% of snaps, he had five targets, four catches, and like 60. Uh, let me get his final exact stat line. Um, it he had was like 68 yards. On 68. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 68 yards, um, four catches, five, five targets. I also thought something that was kind of cool too is, um, which you don't really see a ton with rookies. He was very on page with Kyler on a lot of scramble drills. Like, a lot of rookies struggle with that, with how to make themselves open when the quarterback's extending the play and knowing to run certain directions and find those holes in the defense. That insane Kyler play we saw, Rondell Moore did that perfectly. That um, play was just... Oh, Kyler's Oh, ridiculous. yeah, that's insane. The other encouraging sign, though, too, is that... Um, I don't know the exact stats behind it, but he was getting around 40% target rate on when, when the he was snaps actually he was playing in. and running routes. So that was definitely a really encouraging sign that when he's on the field, they're they're working him in and, and getting him the football. And, I mean, he he only really played, like, 60% half the game, I'm pretty sure. Less, less. Um, So, like, you can only expect, like, okay, obviously he's a rookie. They're not going to rely on him. Christian Kirk has been in the system. But, you know, you're hoping that, okay, around week eight, week nine – once like the season is really underway and he's got a lot of a lot more time and he's not really a rookie anymore that he can really be acclimated and, and be getting more snaps and then that leading to more targets you know as long as you're getting that eight seven targets for a guy like him i think that he can really make a lot with, with those targets and be really efficient by the way um can i say something real quick two little stats he only played 20 snaps and did Damn. that um and only 14 routes run um and so the leaders in yards after catch for week one number one was Debo a lot of that came on that huge play uh Christian McCaffrey McCaffrey was two Tyree Kill was up there but not at the top because that pass was already so far downfield it was probably only 30 yards of running uh McCaffrey was at 86 Swift at 72 um Taylor at 60 CDM at 63 um, Rondo Moore was up there at sixty. He was like fifth. You yeah, see, he, he was. He was one of the highest graded rookies in PFF um, wide receiver rankings. Um, yeah, Rondo Moore, good. Nothing new. We, we, we we've we all loved him people. on this podcast. <laughs> if you guys repeated, we've all been high on him. Yeah. Moving uh, on, Corey Davis. Um, I think this is one that people kind of discount because Elijah Moore was there and was getting all the hype. But I think you should have seen this probably coming because. He's not the rookie. He got paid a lot to, to go there. Like, there's a reason why Corey Davis is there. Um, it was just kind of the question mark of could he repeat what he did last year? And the answer is clearly yes. 
So yeah, I'm know. gonna I'm gonna raise my hand and say I was wrong about Corey Davis. I thought he would really struggle. I thought I thought he'd really struggle being the true number one receiver and not having AJ Brown on the opposite side of him. And he went out there and just proved me wrong. He proved that he can be the number one receiver on not a great offense, but a capable offense. And he looked really good. And I'm trending up is definitely the arrow here for uh, Corey Davis. Assuming you see, he'll, well, he's going to break a thousand yards this year. Assuming he stays healthy. Well, all right, you guys just combined two different statements into another guy. Uh, wide receiver that you had question marks about doing well on a bad offense and breaking a thousand yards, and we get those combined to Brandon Cooks, who is another yes. one of our training ups. Um, I don't know, kind of answered both those questions. It looks like he can be good. I mean, it was against the Jaguars. That doesn't really change a whole lot from still though. You you I mean, could he's say, still going to be number one. Yeah. You could say it's against the Jaguars, but I could say this: the Texans are going to be passing more during games than they did in that Jacksonville game. Like that Jacksonville game, That's they were true. still able to run the ball a good amount because they had. Didn't Mark Ingram get like twenty something carries? He had to like twenty carries. Yeah, Mark Ingram had like twenty six <laughs> carries. Yeah, and like like Crazy. Lindsay had ten. David Johnson had eight. They're going to be passing. They're not going to have much games with the lead. They're going to be playing from behind a ton. They're going to be passing a ton. Brandon Cooks, similar to Davis, it's just health for him. If he stays healthy, he'll have a thousand yard season. Yeah, and be a very underrated fantasy player. Wrap, wrapping up, trending up. We got Tyler Lockett. Um, again, this is someone that I think most people kind of saw. Kind of I mean, it's just the the same questions always happen. Like, can he consistently do this? Uh, will Russell Wilson end up being the second half Russell Wilson again, or can they actually sustain what they're doing? And if they can, Tyler Lockett is a very, very attractive uh, player at that price of whatever he's currently going for. Somewhere probably in the mid-second range, I'd assume. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think for Lockett, it's like the whole question mark – for a lot of people, is okay, well, he got all his production in, like, two games. It's probably not going to happen again. Well, we just saw the value of Tyler Lockett where he's going to have those games where he just gets behind the defense, and he's going to consistently do that every single season, or it seems like at least, and, and they signed him to that extension, right? There just seemed to be a lot of Tyler Lockett hate. There's definitely a, a clear path for him to finish top 15 at the receiver position again and you could have got a really a nice little steal on a lot of these receivers that we just listed brandon cooks and Corey davis as well yeah yeah tyler lockett's price it's very hard to find receivers that can literally win you games um like tyler lockett probably just did for a bunch of people um yeah. all right on the flip side we are turning downs and this is one that i I really want to take a victory lap on, but I'm not ready to do it yet. <laughs> Najee Harris. I don't know what's going on when outside my, my room right now, but if you hear like some kind of truck, sorry. Najee Harris. Najee Harris played every single offensive snap with the Steelers. Um, he had 45 yards rushing. <laughs> 45 yards playing every single snap. I think it was like 14 carries. I don't have that part right in front of me, right? But, oh, 16 carries. 16. 16 catch, 45 yards, less than three yards per carry. So you might think, oh, but JT, it's against the Buffalo Bills. Like, they probably knew they needed to stop the run against Najee Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Najee Harris had uh, no more than eight players in the box on any of his 16 carries. <laughs> the box was never stacked against Najee Harris, and he still only managed to get 45 carries. I mean, 45 yards. I'm sorry. He had, like, two receptions, whatever. It didn't really look that explosive with the receptions. When you look at Javante Williams and what Javante Williams was doing on the Broncos, like I can't see how you look at both players and don't put Javante over Najee. 
Um, <laughs> other than you're like, I, I just think Najee is getting more carry. It's very clearly Javante is betting. I, that's it. It's my line in the sand. I've drawn it a long time ago. I'm sticking with it. I'm planting my flags all over this line. So um, I was yes, also yes, on. I was also on Javante over and Javante over Najee, but I still did like Najee. My concern isn't really him. I believe in him as a rusher. My concern is the Steelers O line um, because Big Ben was under pressure uh, for a lot of the day too. Um, it was a weird. It was a weird game. The Steelers offense didn't have that many total yards. I think they got held under 300 total yards. Um, it it was a weird game, and Buffalo has a good defense, but Dude, we would have been held under two hundred total yards. <laughs> I, I, think you guys, I think you guys had like two hundred fifty. I think it was like around there. Um, uh, my I'm I'm not gonna. I still like Najee. It's just the Steelers O line um, that that needs to play, and Frank can probably analyze this better. I don't know. Like, obviously, the, everyone's gonna point to the O line as one of the reasons he's struggling. Yeah, I agree. Our O line is pretty dog crap. I don't think it's as bad as people are advertising. I think that that Bills D-line just played really well, and they have a lot of yeah. talent that seems to be kind of maturing all, at least like that game. You know, you had a lot of young guys really step up and play well, and, and you know, Edmonds was playing well, their linebacker. Like, that, that defense is legit. I think the thing that concerned me the most with Najee is the fact that him and Ben just seem to not be on the same page with those dump-offs because – I, that was one of my biggest problems with James Conner as a running back was not the fact that he wasn't really a great runner. I mean, he would break tackles. He was, and he had good games. It's just in the receiving work, he, he was not a great catching catcher of the football and him and Ben seemed to never be on the same page. Najee, we saw at BAM at least be a really good catcher of the football. And that's one of the big reasons why people probably bought into him. If you're not going to be able to do these dump offs with Ben, I mean, you can, like that is cheat code kind of production. That's how Le'Veon Bell saw a lot of yeah. his work, and we we kind of saw like the potential there. But Najee Harris is only trying to catch the ball with one hand. He's not turning around quickly enough. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit, and the fact that it's his first game, he's a rookie. You could tell that he needed to speed things up to really play at that NFL level. But I was kind of concerned with the fact that, dude, like use two hands to catch a football. It's not going to be right in your chest every time. Big Ben's going to be under pressure and give you some little flips and crap. Like, we, we need to see you be the pass catcher that you were drafted to be in the first round. I will say, this is why I'm holding off from my complete victory lap. Najee Harris did – I I don't think the, the Bills' run defense was all that great last year. I think they were, like, solid. But he's got a very easy schedule in these next three weeks of Las Vegas, Cincinnati, and Green Bay. And if he can't oh, yeah. do anything in these three weeks, that's why I'm taking out my car and I'm doing donuts on the Najee Harris Hill. And I'm just Same. victory lapping the heck out of it. Because yeah. if he can't get it together in these three yeah. weeks, I'll see you, Najee. Yeah. Uh, definitely the next game for sure against Vegas. Since he actually, I don't think they looked bad against Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook had the touchdowns, so I thought they defended run. Dalvin Cook looked very pedestrian. Um, well, all right. You, even if you take out Cincy, Green Bay, Green Bay is they let everyone run over them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no, I'm saying I'm saying the next game, especially uh, against Vegas, they should. Um, um, Tyson Williams is running all over them. All right, uh, Najee's probably the biggest one that for me, at least. Uh, Matt Ryan did not look great. Ka- Calvin yeah. Ridley and Kyle Pitts each got like what was it, seven targets, five targets? Uh, I had Rid- uh, Pitts had eight. 
Uh, he had four catches on those for, I think, around like 32 yards. Ridley had like five for 51. Yeah, so they, they like finished tied for targets with maybe eight. No other receiver caught a catch. Yeah, well, just dude, they it. had. I think the, the bigger thing is the fact that the Falcons O-line is still terrible, dude. Uh, Steed sent me a, a, a tweet from Evan Birchfield, at Evan Birchfield. Um, I'm going to read part of it. Jalen Mayfield finished with a 1.4 pass blocking grade, which in many years of posting these grades is by far the lowest number I've ever seen. Honestly, I didn't think they could go that low. <laughs> Did you see he tweeted out, like, if no, you no, want your QB protected, like, draft me, it's plain and simple. Yeah, no, the, I, I saw a tweet that was a sequence of three things. It was, like, one, it was, like, that, his tweet saying, like, draft me if you want your QB protected. Two, it was, like, a clip or picture of, like, Fletcher Cox just, like, leveling him into the quarterback. <laughs> and then, like, the third picture was, like, a real quote from Martha Smith after the game on, like, the rookie against Fletcher Cox. And he said, everyone's got to get baptized at some point. <laughs> after the game. That's a great quote. Dude, that's, like, that reminds me of the meme where it's, like, you know the little blue elf dude going through the door? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Field into the NFL, Fletcher Cox just throwing him right back through the door. <laughs> Dude, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave against him was just brutal. And what makes it kind of tougher, as much as I like Pitts, uh, Panay Sewell had an awesome week one. Panay Sewell was well, great. He was another one that people were dogging during preseason, too. He, he, held, he held his like, own really well against Bosa. Like he, thing, he was holding the thing with a lot of these guys that are like tagged the you know generational talents of the world, you know, the uh, Jamar Chases and the Panay Sewells of this draft, you know, they go to training camp and any mistake they made is just completely scrutinized and completely overblown. Yeah. Obviously, like you're gonna make mistakes, you're a rookie, like that's why that's you only get better from there, like it. Just to say Panay Sewell was a complete bust after preseason was absolutely absurd. Yeah, he looks – and the, now you can make – even though I love Kyle Pitts, that – I think the Falcons offense could have used the, a good left tackle more because he looked awesome at left tackle. But – so I Matt like Ryan, Kyle Pitts. Um, dude, Kyle Pitts I still think is a beast, dude. I saw I there was too. one catch no, on one of his targets. It was out of bounds. Dude, Matt Ryan probably put that freaking ball 12 feet in the air, and he just oh, yeah, brings it down nice like it's nothing. Like, it wasn't a catch, but it's like, dude, holy crap. You know, seeing it in, in person, like Kyle Pitts, I feel like, does play at the NFL speed. We didn't see the numbers, but I really do think that the numbers will come. And I, I think they will, too. I just meant more in terms of importance to the team. So here's the thing with Matt Ryan. What, what are we expecting with this offense this year? Is the Eagles defense, like, that amazing? I think the Eagles defense is all right. I don't think it's like one of the worst I, in the NFL. I, I think the Eagles defense is very middle of the road. If yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're, they're, they're average. They're average. And Matt Ryan had didn't break 200 passing yards. Um, it's a week uh, one game, dude. A lot, I know. I'm not, not, not going to put too much stock into it, but it was it it was it was just bad. Uh, I will say I'm fully out on Mike Davis. I just have no faith in Mike Davis. People are like, oh, he's got the, the role to himself. He's yeah, fine in redraft. In redraft, I don't mind him, but Dynasty, I'm out. Uh, he was always overpriced to me in Dynasty, yeah. All right, uh, moving on. This guy I still like. I still like him. James Robinson on the Jaguars. I don't, but you know who don't like him. You know who doesn't like him? His coach, Urban Meyer, because he's splitting him with um, 
freaking Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde and James Robinson are having to split carries. And part of the reason that made James Robinson so great last year was he had the highest usage rate among running backs in the NFL. So yeah, that obviously game, that the more times he – I was going to say that game was the lowest of his career. Yeah. So, yes, Frank? Here's the one thing I want to say about James Robinson because watching that Jaguars-Texans game, this is the one thing that I immediately thought is that they tried – and this is just a bad play by the coaching staff. It's fine. It happens. You know, it's a week one game. You're thinking that you're going to come in and kind of just run your offense against the Texans. I think what they tried to do is just take James Robinson and put him in the role that they were expecting ETN to play. Thinking that, okay, yeah, James Robinson isn't going to be great, but he's good enough to do it. Right? You know, splitting him out wide and getting him in slants and stuff, and then using Carlos Hyde as the new James Robinson, which just did not work. It did not work. It was a hard fail. And I really do not think that the Jaguars are going to do that again. I think, okay, they came in, there was a bad game plan, they learned from their mistake, and now that we're going to see a different usage of these two running backs going forward the rest of the season. I, I hope so. so. I think so too. Can I, can I ask a side question? Honest opinion. Is is Urban yeah. Meyer the head coach for this team at the start of next season, week one? No. No. No, no shot. He'll be USC's coach. Like, I, 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 agree with I don't really know because, like, I don't think – I think people are a little bit too early to judge Urban Meyer. It's one Dude, game. We, 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 were talking, we were talking if the Texans would win a game this year. Dude, this was the perfect I've been out scenario on for the Texans. They're a veteran team. They have only veteran players. It's yeah. a week one game against a young-ass team, a completely young team with a quarterback that is not ready to start in the NFL right now. They got He's just not. I've I've been out on Urban Meyer since before he even had an NFL team to be on. Like, Dude. there's just such differences between college football and NFL. Where <laughs> he's got he's got when when you're in college coach. I, we're I'm sorry about James Robinson. We're going on this tangent, but like when you're a college coach, you bring in those guys to fit your specific system. So you you already have the guy that you want to play the ETN role. Like you just go and recruit him. You you make players fit your system. It's a privilege and an honor to go to Ohio State or Florida or wherever he is because he's, you know, they're winning there. When, when you're in the NFL and, you, and you've got the Jaguars, the, the, the coaching style isn't the same, right? Because some of the players you're coaching, they've been in the league 10 years. They don't need life lessons and whatnot. They don't need that extra motivation. They've got it. They've been in here for 10 years. They don't need to fit your scheme. You're supposed to be fitting – you know, you should be molding it around the players, kind of like what Greg Roman kind of does. Not that I love Greg Roman, but that but that's more of what you should be trying to do. And this is just a team that, like, you, you don't have a lot of stuff here. I know you brought in Trevor Lawrence, which is great, and Marvin Jones is a solid receiver, but this is a team that had way more holes than they already had. And at the end of the day, if the GM, Khan, or the owner, Khan, doesn't think that um, – you know, Urban Meyer is really improving Trevor Lawrence and the future of this organization. He's going to be gone. And I just, I think he's not going to improve this team very much. He's already shown to me enough when he said that he wanted Kadarius Tony to, to, you know, because he had LaVisca Chanel. And then he went and got Travis Etienne. Like, that's already two terrible GM front office roles, uh, decisions. It's, it's just been a train wreck from the start. Um, it is kind of a train wreck. I I'm think. reserving judgment. I think I, this I, is an overreaction. 
I think he's going to be a worse Chip Kelly. At least Chip Kelly had one good season where his offense caught the NFL off guard. Um, but as for James Robinson, here's the shame. Kind of like, I don't know how this year is going to go. And if you're hoping like, oh, when, or if Urban's gone after the season, he's going to be good again. It's ETN's back next year. And I think he's a more talented running back. That um, injury is so bad. Dude, Urban Meyer could win two games. And if he wants to be the coach, he'll still be the coach. I agree. They I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know if he'll want to there, be a coach. There's going to be a lot of coaches in the NFL that would want the opportunity to coach. I don't, I, I don't know if he's going to want to I don't think Urban coach. Meyer – yeah, I don't think Urban Meyer is the cream not, of the crop. This is not a one-year we're going to turn this thing around and start winning Super Bowls. Yeah, but Urban Meyer is not the guy who's turning it around. It's one game, dude. It's one game. What what has Ur- what does Urban Meyer bring to the NFL? What does Urban he Meyer can do that like Brian Dable could? And that's what the Jags need. They need an organization first, and then a team second. I, I a- would rather Dan Campbell than Urban Meyer. Give me Dan Campbell any day of the week over Urban Meyer. Same actually. Building an organization. What culture does does Urban Meyer? Like, bring? I was impressed. Just quit, with Meyer. quit when it though. Quit oh, like when it gets down. Six six great <laughs> franchises before. He's built it's, like it's college football is such a different beast. He's a, in that he's a great he's a great recruiter and his team. You, yeah, you just talent. have to be a good recruiter. You just bring in the good talent and everything will follow. You, you, Urban Meyer so overrated to me. All all time overrated coach. I hate Urban Meyer. <laughs> let's move. Let's move to Mike Evans. But JT, he, he quits. Urban Meyer quits when the going gets tough. Dan Campbell will go and he'll bite your kneecaps and he'll bite him again. Dan Campbell's way better coach. I, I am Meyer. team Dan Campbell. <laughs> uh, Mike Evans. He probably should have been like a panic meter one. I, I'm not, I'm not worried. It, it, people, everyone is panicked about Mike Evans. Go look at his week one stat line from last season. It was pretty much the same thing. It was one catch. It was like yeah. one catch for 20 yards. I understand people saying, oh, AB. Oh. Like, listen, out of those three receivers, there's going to be weeks where two of them go off and one of them has a dud. Uh, it's going to be random. Uh, next week, it might be uh AB and Mike Evans going off, and Godwin has the dud. It might be after that, Evans Godwin. and Godwin goes off, and AB has the dud. Um, I, it's that's just going to happen some weeks. These are three extremely talented receivers. Season as a whole, Mike Evans will be fine. Um, if I can say a zero, I'd say a zero. I'll say like a one. Say one. I think it was just pretty clear that Tom Brady and that staff liked the matchup that Godwin had in the slot primarily, and thought that yeah. they could just keep going there over and over and over again. And if you wanted to ever try to double him and leave AB one on one on the outside, that was the they were going to run a double down. move or something, and and hit him deep. And then obviously you have Gronk, where they just kind of snuck Gronk in enough times to where he was had an insanely efficient day. But I think you guys are right. There's no need to panic on Mike Evans. He's a Hall of Fame level talent. Yeah, they actually they actually asked the OC about that today about him not getting many targets, and he was like, "This is actually an improvement from last year's week one, when you guys all asked me the same question." <laughs> Um, all right, and then let's wrap it up. Our last guy, Zeke Elliott, um, is kind of unfair. He played the Bucks defense, which is they always been very good against the run. Um, here's the thing: yes, Zeke will have a pretty good season because of how much this offense is going to score. Um, like he's going to get tons of carry, um, tons of uh, scoring opportunities. He should have had a touchdown at the goal line uh, against Tampa Bay. It was a combination of, I think he was expecting Jarwin to be able to block the corner. Uh, at, that play was just kind of a mess. Uh, so he should have had a touchdown, which would have given him like ten points on the day, which is whatever. Um, I just, I, I don't think he's going to be the old Zeke where you're seeing like, like twenty to twenty-five touches, like a hundred. 20, 30 yards. I, I don't 
He might have a cup like two, three of those games this year. I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting a lot of games where he has like 70, 80 yards and a rushing touchdown or two, and he'll be he'll be fine. But he's he's not the Zeke he used to be. I agree exactly with you. You said Lance. Yeah, I mean, I think the it's a big overreaction from week one. This Bucks defense is absolutely incredible, especially the front seven. There, yeah. very very few running backs, if any, will have a good game against the Bucks this season. Um, it, they're they're just that good. Um, so to expect Zeke to do it, I, I just don't think is 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 fair to him. And I think you're right; he's going to put up. He's probably going to come get a thousand yards, if not come close to it, and probably have. Seven, eight, nine touchdowns because this offense is going to score points and he'll be fine. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to come off like a know-it-all here or something, or like a oh my god, you idiots. But like, uh, at least for me, because I own Zeke in our home league, right? Yeah. And we sold Zeke in another league, and I think that there was a pretty clear decision early on in, in the offseason, it, and it was, it, dude, you're either holding Zeke. Through the thick and the thin. And you kind of had to decide before the season started. Like, I'm either holding Zeke through the thick and the thin. Because I see that we are playing the Bucks week one. Right? And I see that they have Vita Vey, a 350-pound monster that's fat, just as fast as Zeke. Somehow. The guy's an absolute freaking freak. Ndamukong Sue. Lafonte David. Oh, you don't believe me? Shaq Look at the Davis over-under that was like 50 yards. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was fooled into that Vegas one. saw it coming, too. So it's like, okay, you kind of expected, at least I did, maybe not everyone did expect him to see, to, to struggle week one. But I had made the decision already two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that I am going to hold Zeke. I tried to shop around. I didn't really fall in love with an offer. Maybe I could have taken it because I don't think he's the player that he was, whatever. But I think that now it's just like, dude, if you're selling now – you don't sell I right now. I don't like it. You I, don't I really right just now. don't like it. You can't sell right now because you're yeah. obviously going to want a first, probably more for Zeke straight up, and and you're just not going to. You're going to. It's going to be hard pressed to find someone after that performance week one to to yeah. really give you that. If you obviously, want to sell, obviously later down the line this season, you're going to have. He's going to have multiple touchdowns and great games and whatnot and. And then it'll be easier to sell Zeke if you really wanted to. But I think honestly, at this point, if you're a Zeke owner, ride it out. I mean, what's what's the loss here? If you have Zeke, you're probably a contender. I, he's only going to help you. Yeah. I like you could still sell him if you really want, and you're really scared, and you're a bad team, maybe. But like Jake said, like if you have Zeke to start the season, and and you're a bad team, and you're really panicked after week one, I don't understand why you have him in the first place. Yeah. Because you. There were so windows. There were a lot of Zeke apologists. All offseason. All offseason. And we, we yeah. had went over one of the trades that we did. Like we sold Zeke for was a what was a consensus undersell at the time. We sold Zeke <laughs> for a late first and Darnell Mooney, then turned Darnell Mooney in a second into another first. So we did a trade that I would love to do for Zeke today. Zeke in a second for two firsts that you're just not going to be able to do anymore. So yeah. You could still sell that. You could probably get a first, but I don't know. I, I just think that that decision should have been made weeks ago if you were going to do it. Yep, hundred percent. I hundred percent agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, before before we sign off, I just this is kind of improv. Um, all of you, if you don't have one on top of your head, that's fine. Uh, favorite waiver wire pickup this week that's not named Elijah Mitchell in a oh. dynasty league. 
Mine, uh, I'll list two names out there. One, the second one might not be on um, waivers. Uh, Cedric Wilson. Um, now that Gallup's hurt, mm. I think the number three receiver in Dallas holds some value, especially when you're comparing what's out there in, in waivers. SMU, right? Uh, I believe so. I gotta look this. Job. And then um, if he's somehow Boise still on waivers, State. if he's somehow still on waivers, Tim Patrick. Boise. Um, he had a pretty good week one, and now Judy's out, and Sutton's still coming back to his own. So uh, th- those are the two that came to mind this week for me. Um, I don't know who's owned more or less, Tim Patrick or um, KJ Hamler. Probably KJ Hamler. But I like KJ Hamler more, KJ I think. Hamler. Yeah. yeah. Um, on top of that, I'd probably say, I don't know, Cordell Patterson maybe, like – that's not a bad one. It's kind of that. He does he have the yeah? He's got the running back and wide receiver designation, so he can kind of fill in if you have injuries on your team. And he's gonna get the touches. It's just like, can he do anything with them? I don't know. Um. So a guy I think is interesting. I didn't really love this dude coming into the season, but KJ Osborne on the Vikings. Yeah. That number. Yeah. Just because I think that there's the Vikings had a lot of pretty talented receivers on their at least I thought on their team coming into the season. I mean he he was the number three through and through and had a pretty good day. Um, if he's on waivers, like it's just tough to tell who's on waivers and how deep leagues are. James O'Shaughnessy, I see, is it like a, a popular pickup? Yeah, he got a decent amount of targets, but I imagine he's probably rostered. So KJ Osborne, I think, would be a a, a number one priority for me because I think he's available in a. In a ton of leagues. Yeah, he should be. Yeah. I also like, uh, what's his name? Oh, Zach Pascal on the Colts. He had a really uh, nice yeah. event. I know he had, like, I think it was two touchdowns, so his, those numbers are a little inflated for week one. Um, but he got the looks, and that, that offense really it doesn't have a standout wide receiver, so I think he could really continue to draw some targets throughout the season. Yeah, Pittman and Campbell have not stepped up yet. It's, it's literally yeah. been up for grabs, those targets, so I actually like that one too. Okay, I just wanted to squeeze that in at the end. I just thought it was interesting. Right. So with that, I think that is Season 2, Episode 6, Third and 20 Dynasty Podcast in the books. Our first stream on YouTube. If you're on YouTube watching us, we, we do go live and streaming normally Tuesday nights. Um, and then Frank and Steve will go live with the normal yeah. podcast on Wednesday nights. And by the um, way, with those streams in the chat, feel free to throw questions. I usually try to get to any questions uh, that are brought in there. Yeah, we were talking in chat. Um Third and 20 underscore on Twitter, third20.com. I'm putting up my star and Sims on there. Jake's talking about his prospects of the week. Um, Lewis is talking about the, you know, the trending up and trending down players of the week. Um, I will say me versus Fabiano crushed Fabiano. Just there we go. Annihilation, Annihilation boys. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>